The game sports show and game entertainment media want to give a quick stick tap to LivingSisu.com. Sisu is a Finnish word for determination, tenacity, and resiliency. LivingSisu.com wants to activate your lifestyle by offering discounts and exclusive offers from your favorite sports brands. Sign up is free at LivingSisu.com where you will earn instant offers that will help you save on sports tools, products, supplements, and so much more. Be sure to check it all out at LivingSisu.com. Thank you for tuning in to another special edition upload of the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment Media. This special edition upload is brought to you by Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors, both located on 500 Industrial Park Crescent, Unit 1 in Sault Ste. Marie, the city right at the heart of the Great Lakes. Two great businesses, all in one location. Make sure to check out their social media pages as well by searching them on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get to Dave and the crew inside the Game Sports Show studio. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, GEM for short, along with the GameSportsShow.com. You're currently listening to the game through one of the many media platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, and or Instagram, or of course, as mentioned, right off the hop through our website. Now getting to the special edition co-host, the one and only, he can wheel, he can snipe, he can selly. He's the definition of a spark plug that includes being full of piss and vinegar. A guy whose slap shot is trademarked from the top of the circle, always hitting top ched or the glass, if you will. Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, buddy? Finally back after taking a few of these special editions off. I know. It's nice to be back, eh? And uh, that's a new, uh, a new intro. I'll take it. Yeah, it's a little bit better. I had to add the or glass part because you're either yeah. going top well, ched or... the truth. It's the yeah. truth, so, you know, you're, you're, at least you're to, not lying. <laughs> I try not to lie once in a while, yeah. uh, but you can try to give a souvenir to lucky fans sometimes on those clap bombs. But now right, getting to our, kids. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, now getting to our special edition guest, and he is another guy that is able to do it all. He's, he can wheel, he can snipe, dangle, and probably selly, uh, where in the OHL he won the Eddie Powers Trophy and then also the Red Tilson Trophy twice. He has also led his team in scoring the OPJHL, the OHL twice, AHL four times. He was drafted fourth round, 113th overall in the 2003 NHL draft by the Montreal Canadiens. With playing in the NHL for a total of nine games between Montreal, New York, and Ottawa Senators. With playing over 630 AHL games and 280 games overseas. Uh, the, the one and only Corey Locke. Corey, how's it going, pal? Good. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, very happy to be able to join us. And I tried to give you a better intro than Brooksy. I think I nailed it on the head there, yeah. right? Yeah, that was a well, lot. Of, he, yeah, you you gave a good one, but Brooksy, that was a heck of uh, an inter, uh, an introduction for you, buddy. I know, I like it. I I feel pretty good. I'm, uh, you know, I like you, Dave. Now I your didn't like you before, is, but your I do chest now. is sticking out just a little bit further. Yeah, exactly. He I'm might not, not get back get off in the, the house. Pa- yeah, no, he's not gonna get off that patio now. <laughs> yeah, his head might be in the lake here pretty soon. <laughs> Now, right off the hop, there's actually two questions I had uh, for actually the more so the both of you. But the first one's right directed to you, Corey, is I think now after playing, you got involved with coaching, right? With Guelph. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. When I um, just uh, I went over to Europe last year to play uh, what I thought would be one more year. And what happened was, uh, long story short, I, I went over, signed in check and uh, 
my wife and my daughter didn't weren't coming because of there was no international schools and I played in Austria for a few years and always had international schools so it, it made it uh, made life a lot easier so I uh, went over went over did the training camp and right before the start of the season I knew it wasn't uh, it wasn't meant to be and uh, I got to play for 15 years so I, I came home and uh, hung him up and and then. Uh, my buddy Chad Wiseman works in uh, Guelph and uh, touched base with him and uh, George Burnett's the GM and head coach there and um, obviously he coached me when he was with coach coach against me sorry when he was with Oshawa so uh, reached out to both of them came in had a had a chat and and got on to uh, the, the scouting staff uh, um, in September there so it was great great kind of how it worked out and very grateful for uh, George Burnett for you know getting me uh, getting me started here see that's why I was going to add that in there what part of the staff that you were in the introduction but I felt your introduction was long enough and I should let you just explain uh, what you're doing in Guelph and you obviously have now the life after hockey now getting to the second part that I mentioned this involves you and Brooksy uh, Evan McGrath uh, special shout out here that, that's the individual that got us connected Corey yeah. uh, of doing this interview so obviously i don't know if you guys wanted to give a, a some extra love to evan uh, if you feel like he deserves it uh, and also uh brooksy and you Corey, uh, how you guys met and how you guys had experiences playing with or against each other and all the fun stuff uh, well, i'll touch base well, on well, i'll touch base okay, on okay go ahead he was uh, <laughs> i played with uh i played against evan uh, in in junior uh, he was with the kitchener rangers and they had a pretty good team the one year uh, I was in Ottawa and it ended up, ended up beating us in the finals um, for them to go to the Memorial Cup and they ended up winning the Memorial Cup. So, yeah, he played with a good friend of mine, George Alkitas, um, a guy from Newmarket that I grew up with. So, obviously, George rubs it in and stuff like that. And Evan lets me know who won that, uh, that OHL championship quite a bit. And me and Evan <laughs> got to play uh, a few years back here in Austria together um and we had a fantastic time a lot of uh a lot of jokes um a lot of pranks he, he's a he's a fun loving guy he's great in the dressing room um keeps it light and uh, he's a he was a heck of a player too so uh his wife and uh my wife got along great our kids our daughters both are, are near the same age and and they're like best friends too so um I know Evan well, and he's a great guy. So uh, it was nice that he connected us like this for sure. And it's nice to touch base with Brooksy again after uh, a long absence as well. Pretty good yeah, follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, well, we used to play in those summer tournaments together, which was a lot of fun. It was more of a shit show than fun, than playing hockey, but uh, it was a, some really good hockey in the summer there at those tournaments we used to play in there. I can't even remember. Was that the where was it? The uh, Powerade Center. Powerade Center where Brampton used to play, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we had some great times there. I think that's probably where we first actually met because I'm quite a bit older. Uh, but playing together there, I think we won the tournament. And if we didn't, I'm sure we partied hard. So yeah, well, either I, way, we were having a good time. Yeah, well, when we play with Zen and Kanopka there, you better show up and you, you better be able to do both. You better be able to play hard. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Party hard. Well, I've heard that Zach is a pretty exactly. serious guy. I've heard he's a pretty serious guy. You know, he's a competitor. Uh, that guy, all he wants to do is win, man. Like I, um, uh, he was my captain uh, in Ottawa when I, he was 20, and I was uh, my rookie year in Ottawa, and I got hurt uh, about six games into my rookie year. Got hit, uh, clean hit, and cracked my collarbone, and and uh, separated my shoulder and. 
he was awesome. Like he, he was an older guy on the team. I had first period off. I was, uh, he kind of took me under his wing. I was, I, he kind of took me around town and showed me some of the establishments as a, as a younger player that maybe I, I, I shouldn't have been in at times, but, uh, he, uh, he drove around and I was supposed to drive him. Uh, I was supposed to be a chauffeur kind of, and it was, uh, we built a great relationship off of that. And, I still stay in touch this day, and and to be honest, I've never known anyone that wanted to win as bad as that. And he was he, like, "That's all this guy wants to do is win," and he would sacrifice everything in his body and um, whatever he said something, he would do it first. He was a, an amazing leader, phenomenal, phenomenal leader, one of the best I've ever played with by far. So I thought I thought Brooks would be one of the best you've ever played with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brooksy could fly, man, and those and you weren't lying with those high clappers either. It was Brooksy one of nice, uh, nice highlight reel goals you see nowadays. You know, <laughs> it's his little celebration that he had with the clan when he scored. He did the little dance. What was that, Brooks? That little the, the dance he did with the clan. There's that YouTube video that once you scored, they had a little uh, a pre-recorded a clip that comes up once you scored the person that scores. Am I getting that right? I don't, I don't know. know. This before? No, it happened a lot though, which I liked. That's <laughs> all I know. <laughs> now jumping into the to the junior days, we'll go right into it. Obviously, you mentioned you played in Ottawa, and you know I think it's fair to say, and you, you had a pretty great OHL career. Okay, pretty flat out. So you had one season, one season hitting over 150 points, like no big deal. You, you know that's the term I like to use. You had a dynamic duel. Uh, with Matt Foy. There you go. I said the name right as we tried to make sure we planned it right off air. Uh, so the success between the both of you, you guys, the, the chemistry was just so sick and like it was impressive overall. Like your overall experience in the OHL, winning the Red Tilson a couple years in a row, uh, the Eddie Powers, you know, yes, you did lose in the final. It would have been just a cherry on top if you would have been able to experience a win with the Mem Cup, but you did play a, a very good hockey team in the Kitchener Rangers, as we discussed. But just your, your days in it, with Ottawa, it just it seemed like it was just a great experience for you overall with all the numbers you were scoring and just obviously the story with Zenon. It just seems like it was a good experience overall in the Ontario Hockey League. Oh, it was, it was, it was some of the best years of my life, to be honest with you. Um, Ottawa one, it's just a, it's a fantastic organization. It was, uh, run by Jeff Hunt and, and he did everything for, for the players. And, um, you know, he sold out that building too. When I was playing there, we were getting 10,000 fans on a Friday night to watch junior hockey. So it was pretty easy to get up for, for games. And I think we got seven or 8,000 on a Sunday afternoon at two o'clock. So you were playing in front of a, a packed crowd. Uh, didn't lose too many home games, uh, barely lost on a Friday night at home. So it was, um, it was a pretty, it was a great time actually. Um, I got to play for Brian Kilray, uh, obviously legendary coach and um, most winningest coach in the OHL, CHL, and then, you know, Hockey Hall of Famer. And, and he, he just taught – he just treated you like a – he treated you like a man when you were, you know, a teenager kind of thing. Like expected you to go out, do your job, work hard in practice and stuff, but he allowed you to have fun too. You know, it wasn't – there wasn't too many rules uh, off and on and off the ice to be honest with you. And and that kind of led to some really good times and friendships with, uh, you know, players that I, that I played with in those three years. And I still stay in touch with a lot of them and a lot of great bonds. And, you know, I was extremely lucky to be drafted and play in Ottawa and, and, um, 
you know, I couldn't ask for a better junior career other than what you said, kind of, and maybe it would have been that, that cherry on the top would have been winning and that was, we got pretty close. And even my first year was then, and if we got past St. Mike's in the first round, we had a pretty good chance there too. So um, we had some good teams, some great guys, a uh, lot of great stories, um, just uh, en- endless, to be honest with you, in Ottawa. So I, I was very fortunate. See, your draft year was the year after you got 150 points, like after you got the 151 points. Where oh, draft year, that draft year was when I had 151 points. Yeah, I, and it, yeah. I, I don't know how you went, how you went fourth round <laughs> after 151 point season. Like I'm just being honest. Like you know, if I'm a scout, I I I'm, I just I just would have went, okay, this guy, okay, this kid's a top top two round at least, you know, and that's that's impressive. And the duo that you had with Foy, it's just it just clicked. Like uh, the chemistry that you guys had must have just been in like it must have been seamless for you two. Yeah, I was in it. I was in a deep draft class that that I was in that '85 uh, draft class. So it's probably one of the best ones. Like it's probably the the number one depth draft of all time probably you know there was Flurry, you know, Eric Stahl. yeah Corey yeah Perry Getzlaff Richards uh Stahl Flurry. like it was a bunch it was just the, it's endless the you know that first round was insane so um I was part of that and um so you know I, I, it was it was tough it was that that was a just a tough draft year and and to be honest with you and then uh, with Foy, it was unbelievable, actually. Um, you know, he he came back from college, uh, Merrimack, I believe, Mercyhurst, Merrimack, one of the two there. And he came back as a 19-year-old year to play in Ottawa. And, and we played uh, – he was a centerman. He started as a centerman, and we were both uh, we were both playing down the middle. And I remember we played in Barrie early on in the season, I want to say four or five games in. And um, – Miguel DeLille, actually, uh, he was like a 50-goal scorer the year before with us, and he was an overager. He took about three or four dumb penalties in a row, and, and Brian Kilray just lost his mind, just <laughs> absolutely lost it. And uh, so the next day, I don't know if he got scratched. I can't remember if DeLille got scratched then or if he just got like put on the fourth line as a 20-year-old, which you know is obviously seldom happens right yeah. um and, and killer move foy and put foy and i together and i believe like i th- I believe matt had four points in that game in, in that sunday afternoon and um brampton and i believe i had two or three and and then the connection just took off from there and it was it was you know it was instant chemistry to be honest with you he was he was such a powerful forward uh, right winger could fly could skate yeah um and, and he I, was tough too like he was yeah. strong on the puck and he would hit he would hit because i yeah. know i'd known matt a long time too and played against him and he just played so hard all the time yeah he was fearless he forechecked so hard turned over pucks like would go to the net you know and, and i was pretty good at coming through the neutral zone and just kind of you know buying some time and then waiting for him to you know, just have that step on a D and I just had to lay pucks in the areas or just, you know, hit him in stride and he would kind of do the rest. So, you know, the nice thing too with Matt was that, you know, we didn't care who scored either. Like the year we played together, we both had over 60 goals. So, you know, yeah. one night. He well, once you have, reach over 50, why would you care who's scoring really? Well, <laughs> that's no, incredible. <laughs> hey, yeah, but you hey, know, you like, can have the 51, 52. It's okay. <laughs> but you know, 
what I mean, <laughs> what I mean, is, I know, you know, that, you know, like playmakers, you know, like, you know, lines now, some of them are like, well, he's the playmaker and he's the shooter. He's the scorer and stuff like that. You get, you know, into these roles and stuff. And with us, we didn't care. Like, you know, if I had a couple the ne- one night and he had a couple the next night and we were just producing offense, it was, it was, that's all we wanted to do, you know, was produce offense. And, and, th- and that's kind of what we did. And it was just, it connected right away. And we just kind of, uh, it was, it was, fan- it was fantastic. And you know, what was even cooler too, is not to jump ahead a bit, but I got to play with them again in, in Berlin and Germany. We were both, you know, done over here in North America and went to Europe and, and we got to play um, in, in in Germany, the DEL, and we ended up winning a championship. So, uh, and on that team was uh, Julian Talbot from Ottawa too, and uh, Vince Millette was our, co- our assistant coach. And actually, Peter Lee, um, he was a, a, a 67, a legendary 67 too, uh, obviously before our time. He was the general manager. But it was kind of cool that me and Matt got to play together on a line again and, and win a championship and kind of make it full circle a little bit. Yeah, and played in Berlin. That's just to kind of, like you said, full circle. And even in that draft class you said was deep, you have a bit of bragging rights on a certain popular individual nowadays. You got drafted ahead of Paul Bizanet that year. I don't know if you uh, remember. (laughs) (laughs) He got drafted. uh, He went uh, just to the hundred and some twenties area after you. And then that draft, you're right. I, I was unsure about all the names like Joe Pavelski was a seventh rounder in that draft he's still playing yeah Dustin Bufflin 800 games was an eighth rounder when they still did that type of thing a ninth ninth round there was about six or seven people that played over 300 NHL games like this draft class I didn't realize Shea Weber went second round okay and there's someone who's still a force in the National Hockey League Uh, like literally Patrice Bergeron went second round that year that literally might be one of the best drafts of all time so you know what like I, I like but literally it's impressive. I I was the one person that the one first overall who's still making an impact, obviously Mark Andre Fleury seems like, you know, he's obviously not with Pittsburgh anymore. He's uh, obviously with Vegas. But obviously all these a lot of these players have made names for themselves, which is certainly, like I said, one of the best drafts that you were a part of. And overall being you when you went into the league, and I'm not gonna steal uh, Brooksy's thunder here because I know this is the topic he's going to jump into so I'll transition to Brooksy with this uh, but you get drafted right and once you get drafted you know what's the excitement that you're feeling like were you did you honestly feel that you got drafted later than expected or did you expect that you were going at that point or did you have interviews prior or like anything like that like from Montreal or other teams like what was going through your mind that draft day yeah, I always wanted to get drafted in the first day. They did it back back then when, at least the year I got drafted, they they did the first day on the first three rounds. Sorry, were were the first day of the draft. So they would do the first round on TV, and then that that would be done with TV, and then second, third, and then they would come back the next day to do, um, you know, the rest of the round. So I I really wanted to get drafted, I guess, in in the first day, and I and I slid to the second day and I was in, I was early in the fourth round so I didn't have to wait too long but um to be honest like if you go back like I think I was drafted where I was supposed to in the rankings like I wasn't ranked very high in North America um through the year and if you do add the Europeans in and if you add the 
you know, uh, the goalies in and everything like that, it kind of fell where I, I was supposed to fall and around that one thirteenth, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, whoever was doing it, maybe got it right. <laughs> I hate to say it. Um, you know, I wish I, I wish they were, I wish they were completely wrong. And I went on, and, you know, had a, instead of just playing a thousand pro games, I wish I was a, a thousand pro games in like, uh, the NHL, you know, but, uh, and maybe they did have it right, but, you know, I guess through that year, you know, it did sting at times. I won't lie. Like it did sting like that, you know, got not getting drafted that first day and watching guys, you know, go ahead of you that you knew you competed against all year and, and you kind of out, you know, outperformed or you out um, scored or, you know, you, you did, you know, you kind of have bragging rights on them during the year and, and junior. But obviously what happens is as you get older, you realize like, you know, juniors one step and pro and the NHL is a different step and they're drafting, you know, for years down the road. Right. So in that, and you know, so at the end of the day, maybe they did have it right. I, you know, I, I, that might be the only thing I disagree with you. If I was a scout, I was taking you like, especially, <laughs> especially nowadays. And I'm not just a brown nose. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, you are. This is oh, your, yes, this, you are. this is your thunder. Oh, yeah. I know this is one thing yeah. you want to bring up about today's NHL compared to He's that. He's a selfish brown noser stealing my thunder <laughs> is what he is. <laughs> but, uh, no, I just, you know what? After being drafted, like, you go to Hamilton. So you stay in Canada and you're close to home. Like, that must have been nice for your family, you know, because that's not too far. Newmarket isn't far, you know, where your family is. And, and uh, you know, staying on the Canadian side and having, you know, buddies and people being able to watch you a lot. So that must have been nice for you to start there, you know, for your pro career. Yeah, it was awesome, actually. My uh, So my dad retired. He was a high school teacher for 30 years um, in Toronto. And um, he retired my last year junior. And I swear he, like, pretty much – I felt like he lived with me. Like, he, he just drove around watching hockey games um junior and then when i got drafted by montreal and i ended up signing hamilton he loved it because then he all, all he had to do was drive down the road about an hour and a half instead of five hours to ottawa and the kingston and all these places so even uh and my brother my brother played at a prep school in the states a little bit um through high school and even my mom would come down and my mom didn't my mom like she she loves me and she she's proud of what I did in hockey but she was never a hockey fan she would you know drive me to hockey as a as a kid and she would stay in she was a teacher too and she would sit in the car and mark her papers or whatever she had to do for for school and and they're getting her marks and then she, I would come out and she would drive me home right so she would even she got down. you there though she yeah she, there. she did and she was so she would even come down sometimes I was like so surprised that she would drive down to watch me play uh, when my dad wasn't so it was awesome and, and and that was pretty cool being around because by that time I had a lot of buddies going to school um you know at Brock and at Mac and um, Guelph and Laurier and stuff like that. So like it, it allowed me to kind of go see them during, you know, during the week and, and sometimes after games and stuff like that. So I kind of, um, I kind of got to live at home and play pro for the first little bit. So it was kind of, it was you, really cool. It was really cool. Now, do you think that kept you comfortable? Because, you know, jumping from the OHL, even though you've had amazing years going to the AHL, it's a pretty big jump. And to have 43 points your first year as a, as a young guy coming in right out of junior, like that's that's a pretty amazing year. And you think, you know, being comfortable because, you know, you have all your family, buddies, everyone around, you think that helped you, 
because there's a lot of times guys go away for the first time pretty much other like out of Canada and they're going to uh, play pro, which is a different animal. And their first year, they usually struggle a little bit unless you're an absolute like, you know, Crosby superstar or things like that. So do you think that helped you? Yeah, it did big time. Like I knew I was I knew I was going back to Ottawa or I was going to Hamilton. So I was either going back to a place I was very familiar with for three years or I was going closer to home. So uh, this it made it more comfortable because you're right. Like pro is very different. You know, I you know, you, you know, at 20, you're going to get an apartment or you're trying to live with buddies and now you're setting up like, you know, cable TV and <laughs> like yeah. you're, you got all these responsibilities. Now, now you got to buy your own bedding and stuff. And you're like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. like, so Why is this happening? Yeah. It was kind of nice that my mom was around and she was, she would bring care packages and be like, you need this, you need this, you need this. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. I, I do need this stuff. You know, <laughs> it's just great. not, it's not provided anymore. So it did make it much easier, um, to turn, you know, turning pro. And that was, that was a really cool year too, because, um, that was the lockout year, the full lockout year. So all those names that you mentioned in the draft, um and all these nhls that any yeah sorry nhlers that turned into you know be superstars in the nhl they all played in the american league that year so this this year this that year was just filled with you know high end like it was it was a heck of a league and coming in that year it was it was kind of eye-opening for sure yeah that was your first year at 16 goals and just so you know the only year I ever had more goals than you was that year, the lockout year. But I was about what? I was about nine years in, nine years pro at that time, I think. So I was a lot older, but that's the only year because I had 20, 20 that year with right. uh, the with the Worcester Ice Cats that season. Yeah. I don't even think we played Hamilton because we were on the other side. So no. I don't think because that was back in the day when you never played everybody. So never, we would have never played like there was. Because Hamilton was always in the West. There was time, like, I, I didn't play teams in, in that Eastern Conference until I was with, like, the Rangers and Hartford organization. Like, there was teams I never played, ever, until, like, you know, six, seven, eight years into my pro career in the AHL. It was crazy. It's it's crazy. You play the same teams. Like, in Hamilton, we would play Rochester 12 times a year. We, the Marlies were in, in Toronto. Oh, that yeah. played them 12 times a year. Uh, Grand Rapids 12 times a year like you you played you know over half your schedule against like four or five teams right cut down on travel and stuff so you just you know I don't even know why coaches would show video we knew the same thing nothing changed you know (laughs) (laughs) same stuff yeah you you spent four years uh, with Hamilton obviously right and then you won the Calder Cup I believe in 2006 2007 Yep. Did you, yeah, did. you did. Uh, yep. Now, there's a Sioux native that you played with, and I mentioned the Sioux, obviously, with our show, because that's the home of our show, yeah, and he's okay. a friend of the show, obviously, so I know you know some Siouxites, if you will, and I know Brooksy is now an inherited Siouxite, we call it, where somebody that moved from another hometown to come here, but Matt D'Agostini. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dags must have been a beautician uh, to talk with in the locker room because the way I know him off the ice, <laughs> I can imagine how he is in the locker room. Well, it wasn't just in the locker room. We were roommates for two years together. Oh, the- <laughs> yeah. So I, so me and Dags spent a lot of time together. A lot of time. Yeah. 
to be honest, we've lost touch a little bit over the years, just like everyone does when you're kind of in the hockey world. It's, you know, you when you bounce around at so many teams and all this kind of stuff, and then overseas, it's sometimes hard to stay connected with each other. But it was funny, uh, when I was in Guelph this year, uh, Dags played in Guelph, right? So the, our... Um, our radio announcer said, Hey, I was speaking to Dags. He says hello and stuff like that. So I was like, well, he's been doing, he had a hell of a career. Like he had a hell of a career in North America and he's doing very well in Europe and Switzerland too. So, but he is, uh, he's something he doesn't, uh, he's got a, he's got a motor on that mouth. That's for sure. He doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the Italian that comes out. Let me tell you, that's a uh, full Italian. I can say that cause I'm half Italian. So if there's anyone that's going to get mad at me for saying that it's, uh, I, I'm allowed to say it. I'm allowed there to say it. Go. There you go. <laughs> And then you had obviously with Dags, but then you obviously some more people that even some more people in the Sioux that people in Sioux story are familiar with Trevor Daly. Uh, There's a guy that you had a little bit of past with and like Thomas Placanet, Steve Ott. These guys aren't familiar with the Sioux at all, but um, Steve Ott, uh, Miguel (laughs) Krabowski, the Kostitsins and the list goes on, you know, but it seems like that overall, like just the, the overall prospects that filtered through the Hamilton Bulldogs organization in particular, like pretty impressive. So you must have a lot of kind of different tales uh, from these certain players that you play with. that want to make names out of them uh, themselves in the national hockey league that you play with in Hamilton. Yeah, no, for sure. But uh, back to Trevor Daly that you mentioned me and Dale, I was, uh, we lived together first year in, in Hamilton. Well, we lived in Burlington just outside of Hamilton. So me and Dale's, uh, we know each other very well. So, you love the Sioux. I oh, think yeah. You should be living here, and yeah, I'm going to move back that somehow way. I, somehow I really like the Sioux boys or whatever, you know? Like, it, <laughs> there must be something in the water up there that I get connected with or whatever. But uh, Dale's. you get like, here, you, you can't leave. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, no, Once you're you drink stuck. the water, you're never going. Yeah. Dale, <laughs> hey, Dale's is a great guy. He is phenomenal. He's uh, he's one of a kind, Dale's, for sure. He uh, what What a career he's had, you know? Stanley Cup and 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 thousand I think a thousand games he's got to be coming close to it or whatever but um just a great guy and, and great f- family guy I, I know you know he was lucky too just like I was to you know he was a Dallas draft pick at the time he was in Montreal and we kind of split with Dallas Dallas that year I think I had players all over the AHL and and Dale's got to play at home right so uh, being from uh, you know Toronto, there he would always go down and, and visit with his family, and he'd take me with him and stuff like that. So it was it, we had a pretty good relationship, me and Dale's, and being at each other's weddings and stuff like that. So good old Sue boy for sure. So so you guys uh, you guys make him good up there, that's for sure. Oh, we uh, certainly. Now I know Trevor Daly and Dags being certainly. If you get those two guys in a room, actually, I know Dags obviously more than Trevor Daly, but you know those those are guys that have made some, like you said, great careers. Especially Trevor, you know, obviously winning the cup, and he got the cup first that time that he won yeah. it with Pittsburgh. If anyone, I don't know if listeners or viewers remember that, but Crosby gave him the cup first. I know it was. I know there's always a, obviously a, a pecking order that they get in the National Hockey League if it's seniority or if there's a reason why they pick. I know the, the reason was a family reason why uh, that Daly got the cup first, but at the end of the day, that's obviously a pretty cool moment. There's somebody that devoted himself to the Sioux Greyhounds organization and then just made a great career out of himself with the, just grinding and working through it. And, you know, there's a guy that's involved in an organization right now that is rebuilding, if you will, obviously. Uh, but has made it overall, like you said, it's a great career. And Brooksy, uh, like 
and even with you, Corey, like playing in the American Hockey League, you were there at a time. And again, I'm stealing Brooksy's thunder here, and I think he's yeah, going to. This is what you do. Uh, you, you know, know what? don't worry. I'm just going to take a snapshot <laughs> to your face next time we're on the ice. <laughs> like, playing that compared to now is like, I know we're going to jump into some of your times that when you played uh, the games you did play in the National Hockey League and some players that you play with, but, you know, would have times overall been different? Like, do you feel that if you got drafted now, and obviously the what-if scenario is always a thing, especially with, with hockey players, I feel, but it, it's you got drafted at a time where it, it's not the same as today, right? Obviously, today's game is, I think, more of a style of Brooksy and even yourself, Asal, pure speed and that talent where maybe in the early thousands it was that two-way-esque forward. Like, if you think of Patrice Bergeron, you think of Nate and Horton. Patrice Bergeron's still a hell of a player now, it's obvious. But, you know, you got players that were in your draft class uh, that had that mean streak to them. There's a lot of names like that. No, I'm not including Paul Bizanet in that mean streak. He just like <laughs> dropped the mitts. Uh, but, you know, do you feel like it would have been different for you now in comparison to then? Do you feel like that your career, you know, would have been, you would have been more on the full-time NHL kind of side more so than the more games you played in the American Hockey League? I think, I think my game would have suited today's game much better than it did when I came up, uh, when I, when I played junior, it was clutch and grab. Uh, when I got into pro in that, in that first year, it was still clutch and grab. Um, then the rules changed after the lockout and it was still a big man's game. Um, they took the, the, you know, the hooking and the, the holding out of it and they were calling more penalties. So it kind of changed, but they were still big. It took, it took teams, you know, you know, a while to, you know, think, you know that to go maybe smaller with more speed and stuff and now you see the game like it doesn't matter what size you are anymore you know obviously some teams are built bigger than others but um now it's all about speed skill kind of hockey sense and stuff like that and you know i always i had the skill and i had the hockey sense and you know i was never the the greatest skater i was never the fastest skater um i think a lot of scouts or maybe gms they they wanted me to be like marty st louis kind of like a little you know, a water bug. Yeah. And I just really, I really wasn't, you know, like, uh, I don't feel like I was a, I was a bad skater. Um, I wouldn't say fast, but I wouldn't say I wasn't, I was slow, you know? Um, but I think it would have helped me now coming into the game. And two, the thing too, now with these players that are, are coming up and, in in these NHL stars now, and these young kids, like they've had so much training, right. And, and, and when Brooksy and I came up, like, we didn't have the, the you know, the, the skills coaches or the power skating coaches they do now or the or the training programs, the off ice um, capabilities like it just it wasn't around then. You know, it was, you know, everyone worked out, but it, it wasn't specific to like kind of what you needed or it wasn't in a hockey specific training center. You might be working out at a at a, a good life or something. And, you know, you were working out and trying to be in the best shape possible, but you weren't doing what you know, necessary you needed to do for hockey specific training and stuff like that. So I think some of the the flaws that I did have um, in the sense of skating and speed like that, I think maybe I would have been able to work on it now or, you know, when I was younger with, with coaches and stuff like that, instead of like having to hire a power skating coach when I was already in, in playing for the Hamilton Bulldogs and stuff like that. Like it was just a, it was a little too late at the time, you know? So I think that's, that's the one thing that, you know, I kind of wish that, you know, I think 
if I if I could if it happened and you're talking about the what ifs, maybe it was a different uh, you know training was different you know back then than it is now. So. Well, it's did so- you find uh, did you find uh, that Montreal like was trying to get you to get bigger? Yeah, and you were like, did they talk about putting weight on for you? Because I remember when I was with St. Louis and I was 185 pounds, which is pretty big my size back then they wanted me to get into the 190 195 weight area yeah and I was just wondering if Montreal wanted you to get bigger which would just totally slow you down not make you that was what I feel like all the GMs and they wanted you just so big all the time because they didn't think you were strong enough even though I think I was stronger lighter yeah like I was uh, yeah they all wanted strong all they would talk to me about was like I heard three things my whole career, you know, get faster, get bigger and stronger, like more weight. And it was always on the defensive side of the puck kind of thing. So it was like those three things, but, but they, I, I don't think I ever played at like more than 175. I don't think I played at 175 much in my career. I was probably closer to 170 for, for pretty standard. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't really put on weight. <laughs> I couldn't put on size. I couldn't put on any of that. I don't have that body that does that. But, you know, even I remember trying to do it my first year in junior and my dad was like, you got to bulk up and you know, you're going to play against bigger guys. Like it almost hurt me. Cause I, I did feel like a bit slow and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't my quickness. I wasn't able to get to those pucks or lift those sticks or just that little feeling like agile, I guess is what it was. And, feeling that you could slide past someone right so but yeah early on it was for sure you know size size get bigger get stronger size size like I even had a trainer that you know we were like he was like you should seriously stick weights in your pocket like he was like thinking <laughs> of how we could how we could make my like Montreal oh, yeah. shorts, like cut the like something into them and I could wear those little like you know, those weight vest weights in there just to say that I was 190 pounds when I was 175 or whatever. So, yes, yes, I. that's what they talk about all the time. So, honestly, like I, you did end up, and we're going to talk about this, you did play nine games in the National Hockey League in comparison to what you did in the American Hockey League. And there's one thing that gets that got brought up, and I was going to wait to bring this up, but I believe you have Twitter. Maybe you'll correct me if you don't, but I know that there's – uh, there was a there's a tweet from Jerry D that came out. Okay, and I'm a follower of Jerry D. I think he's a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, he said Corey Locke led his team in scoring when he played in the OPJHL, uh, the Ottawa 67s in the OHL, then obviously Hamilton, Houston, and Hartford and Bimington all in the AHL. Then he said played in nine AHL games. Making the NHL is tough. Plan accordingly. Okay, this is what Jerry D tweeted on August fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. If anyone wants to look back at Jerry D's Twitter, or you can simply just search Jerry D Corey Locke on Google, and let me tell you, it directs you right to it uh, because of the interaction that was towards it. Do you think is was Jerry D bang on with that? Like honestly, you having the success that you did to be one of the top. AHL players to have played obviously there's a lot of good players that play in the American Hockey League but to only play as many games did in the National Hockey League uh, like did Jerry D nail it there saying that the NHL is tough I think you're a prime example because obviously it was well deserving that you should have gotten uh, a, a, obviously a more opportunity in the National Hockey League you know, he's bang on so I, uh, I, I, gotta, I know Jerry um, my, he was uh, my dad's supply teacher in Toronto before Jerry, uh, Jerry was a high school teacher and stuff, obviously from, 
um, Mr. D and his show and stuff like that. And, and, uh, so me, me and Jerry have a really good relationship and, and he's out, he's, he's right. Like it, it's hard to make the NHL, like, you know, Brooks, he could tell you too. Like it's, it's tough. It's guys will do whatever they can to get there. And, and to be honest, sometimes you just need the right timing. It just has to happen. You need to be having an unbelievable year. Um, you need someone to go down with an injury. You need a scout to be pushing for you. You need a GM that likes you. You need a coach that willing to play for you. I, I think that's where, to be honest, a lot of parents in, in, in young hockey and, and to go to minor hockey, and, and I think that's where he's directed this to and stuff like that is, you know, there's so many things that need to fall into place and that, you know, line themselves up for you, your, your kid or yourself to make the NHL. And, and it's tough. Like, you know, you gotta be, you gotta get that opportunity. And when you get that opportunity, you gotta seize it and you gotta take advantage of it. And it's, and I think he said it right, you know, like just because you lead teams in scoring and just because you're the MVP of leagues and stuff like that, or you win, you know, team championships, it, it doesn't guarantee you anything, you know, it doesn't at the NHL level, you know what I mean? I, I think, you know, what I did in, 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 in the AHL and, you know, obviously in junior, it got me drafted in the AHL. I think it, it bought me more years in the AHL, um, you know, as you get older, but for the minor hockey kids and the parents, I really do believe like it's the process. Things have to fall into place. Everyone develops at a different stage. So like, and, and you see it some of like, just like you said, some of those ninth round picks in my draft have, have played, you know, you know, close to a thousand games. Right. And some of those, you know, second and third rounders didn't play, play many at all or, or none, you know, so it's just funny kind of how it works. And, and I think Jerry was bang on with that. So, um, he's a great guy too. Um, I, I'd love to share a little story with him cause he, uh, we got a, I got a family relationship with him obviously. And if he, if you ever talk to him, you ever get him on the show or anything like that, I'm sure uh, he would tell you like, He'll say, Corey, never listened to me. There's nothing that he listened to me about it. He coached uh, in the GTHL, and when I went to the GTHL to play, he was coaching Wexford. He tried to get me to go there. I went to the Markham Islanders to play. Then he was coaching uh, Junior A team at the time. He wanted me to come play there. I, I decided to play for the Newmarket Hurricanes in my hometown. Then he told me I should go to school, don't go to the OHL, and I ended up going to the OHL. So everything pretty much Jerry told me to do, I did the opposite. So he'll make sure he'll remind you that uh, I don't listen to him. But the one piece of advice that Jerry did give me was, you know, and um, and I took it through my whole career, is that he said, well, why don't you just be the best player you can be? Like, be the best player in whatever league you're in. Like, that's the best thing you can do. Like, you can't worry about, you know, getting the NHL or, or, or you can't worry about all these things that you can't control, but he's like, you can control being the best player in the league. And I really like kind of took that to heart. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Like maybe if I'm the best player in the AHL, maybe that will give me the opportunity. And, and I even took it in Europe, you know, you're not going to be playing in the NHL. Not a lot of guys go to Europe and then come back to make the NHL. And I kind of took that mentality over there too, where, you know, if I could be the best player in those leagues, maybe I could just, you know, keep extending my career and getting to getting to leagues that I want to get to. So Jerry had a huge impact in my uh, my hockey career, that's for sure. See, now that is 
that is great conversation right there. And you know, one thing I forgot that Jerry D was a teacher uh, and he had a show. I don't know. I knew he had a show, but like, I mean, I forgot that he was actually an official teacher. So that thanks for reminding me of that. So no if ever did have one, I don't remember. Don't forget that. But the main thing is, you know, you did get that opportunity to put on an NHL jersey, a couple teams, uh, three teams to be exact. But, you know, you have you, you, you know, you you did play hard when you played hockey. You worked hard and you got to that point where a lot of players could not. Hey, hey, I thought I was going to the NHL and I didn't. And I don't like bringing up myself all the time. Brooks, you don't make a comment. <laughs> uh, uh, but at the at the end of the day, you you know, you worked hard. and You did get that call right where. Once you did get the calls to play when it was for Montreal or New York and Ottawa, it must have been exciting for you, you know, despite that it obviously happened a little bit, uh, let's say, too late. Not too late in terms of that you're too late to go there, but it should have happened sooner. That's what I mean by it. But when you got that first call up to Montreal, you know, you got Carey Price in that locker room where he was just basically he's more younger than, than he is now. But then you have Kovalev and other teammates that you played with in Hamilton, obviously. So, like, there's some familiarity there. And so tell us the energy of Carey Price and Alexi Kovalev, like names that – especially Alexi Kovalev. There's a guy that, you know, I know you were only there up for the one game, but you still were around that organization long enough to know some of those guys. And especially Carey Price, is he as laid back as it seems? You know, like he seems so chill in interviews and not going to lie. He kind of looks like Enrique Iglesias. All jokes yeah. aside. <laughs> oh yeah. I, well, I'll touch base on both of them because I do have, you know, stories about both of them that, so price came down. He was our goalie when we won the caller cup in Hamilton. So he, he played in, I believe tri cities in the, in the Western hockey league. And it took, he got knocked out of the playoffs in junior, took him about a week to sign. And then he came to us and he came to us with uh, a three and three, to end the season uh, before the playoffs started. And he played on a Friday night at home in Hamilton, and then he played a game in um, Rochester on the Sunday. He played two out of the three. And I still recall, like, the Friday night game in Grand Ra- against Grand Rapids. We, we got down five on three, and Grand Rapids was just, you know, zipping it, you know, low, high, through the box, back door, all this kind of stuff. And Price made, like, three unbelievable saves backdoor and i was just like holy shit like this guy is legit like and i think everyone on the team then was like wow like this guy is something and my my first reaction almost was like how did he lose in junior like how did anyone score on this guy in junior because he was so big like he was a bit heavier then too than he is now like he's really slimmed out and uh, you know um but before he was a little bit heavier and took up the whole, like still takes up the whole net, but like you, there was nothing to shoot at when you had come down to shoot on him. Like you had to, you know, you had to shoot it hoping he would guess wrong and you had to go like bar down or post it in. Like there was nothing. So yeah, I remember this because you beat us out because I was with the moose Yeah, and he robbed me on two breakaways in the same game. You shot on carry. I don't even know. If it was, yeah. I didn't know. Scored. Should have scored, but I didn't because I took a wrist shot instead of my slap shot. That was the problem. (laughs) Even on that, even on that breakaway, (laughs) Brooksy. Oh yeah, that was my go-to in the shootout. It's the half clapper. The full Brian Brian Rolls special over there doing the half clapper. But you know, you obviously with Carey Price, you know, there's. There's a guy that and we're going to talk about another goalie shortly that you play with in New York. And I think you know exactly who I'm going to be bringing up in terms of a goaltender because he's still there in New York. Uh, but 
with with Carey Price, he is the backbone of Montreal. Okay, and obviously, uh, with the time that we did this recording is much later. So I know currently there's still there's hockey going on right now. So we're not going to dive into what he's playing because we don't know what he's going to be at that time. But he is the reason why Montreal gets wins. Okay, he is arguably the best goalie in the National Hockey League. I know a lot of people look at Carter Hart or even Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay, but I got fingers pointed at Carey Price. That guy, game in and game out, if Montreal did not have Carey Price, I just feel like they would be even worse off in the standings, to oh, be honest. Yeah, well, like he is he is unbelievable. Like You're right. I think he's the best goalie in the NHL, and he just makes it like – he one, he makes it look so easy – because he's just like he's so calm in there and he's so big and that that's what he brought when I play with him and as a 19 year old like that's that's what he was he he just oozed confidence and he was so quiet and he was you know he was dressed in his camo and stuff like that he looked like <laughs> uh, he looked like he was going fishing and he was you know staying in a hotel in in downtown Hamilton like he wasn't going fishing but you know he he's just that type of guy and he, uh, you know, we just all looked at each other and was like, wow, like, you know, we kind of have something special here. And that was a heck of a series, eh, Brooksy? Like, it was so close. Oh. It was, yeah, it, like, oh, there either was one way, game, like, I think we had, like, 55 shots or oh, something. I, it was crazy. 100%. Like, we weren't a stacked – we were we, – well, I shouldn't say we were a stacked team, but we weren't, like – we didn't run away with the league and we weren't supposed to win or anything like that, like – you could have flipped a coin in our series between Rochester and us. We were both like the same team. You could have flipped a coin against, um, you know, when we played in Manitoba versus Hamilton there, you could have flipped a coin on who would win that series kind of thing. Like, but like we did have that X factor and that was 100% carry price. And I believe that, you know, he's that X factor in Montreal. I, I hope they can get him some pieces, you know, I, I up front and, and they can build a team around him because like he, he definitely deserves to win a Stanley Cup or even have a have a chance to, you know, um, you know, fight for one or, or compete for one. He, he definitely deserves that. So and I know he's definitely got a big contract, but even then a player still wants to win the Stanley Cup and Carey Price uh, will have to be, you know, he'll have to keep being bailing out his team if Montreal doesn't improve certain pieces. But who knows uh, what will come of the future if even if he would ever be traded. I think Montreal would be crazy to ever trade him. But if there's ever a rebuilding phase, you know, maybe Kerry can benefit elsewhere. But besides that, uh, going forward with some other like, teams that you play with before I transition to Brooksy uh, in terms of European days, I know Brooksy's probably anxiously waiting to jump into to talk about with you. But New York, you played with uh, someone who's mutual between yourself and Brooksy, uh, Dan Gerard. He was there. Sean Avery, someone we've talked about on this show uh, to a couple extents. Yeah. Uh, Mar- Marion Gabrick. And then, of course, you had King Hank, Henrik Lundqvist. And your coach was uh, John Tortorella, I believe, when you were there, okay, yeah. who I'm actually a, a fan of being in the media side of things. I think it's hilarious how he is. But uh, overall, like speaking quickly with Lundqvist, there's another guy who actively playing who is more loyal than Lundqvist. And is there actually anyone else who deserves a Stanley Cup more than Lundqvist? Like, come on, there's he is so loyal to New York and he's been there since day one. And it just hasn't worked out in terms of winning for him. He loses in the cup finals to L.A. that one time in overtime. Like, not only does he have like good looks, okay, I'll fight. I'll say this is probably the best looking guy in the National <laughs> Hockey League. Uh, but next to Brady Shea of the Carolina Hurricanes, but overall, oh my god! <laughs> but overall, 
overall, there's a guy who deserves a cup more than Hank does. <laughs> oh, you're right. He, he deserves it. It's, you know, a lot of guys deserve it. That's the problem there is that there's so many good players that, you know, deserve a Stanley cup and they don't get one. And it just shows how hard that winning that Stanley cup is like, you know, it's, it's a grind. You got an 82 game schedule with all that travel and back to back. And then you got to go four rounds in the playoffs with guys just doing whatever it takes to lift that Stanley cup. It, it is, it is, it's got to be the hardest. It, like they say, it is the hardest trophy to win. There's, there's a reason for it that it's the hardest trophy to win. And you know, it, you know, Hank does deserve one for sure. Um, you know, I hope he, I, you know, I hope he gets one. I, I think he's got a year left on his contract in New York, and you know, obviously they got two stud young guys there too. And I just hope it ends up working out. Uh, you know, for him, I hope he, you know, something happens for him next year and it's positive because he, as you said, he's given everything to that organization. And I remember, you know, I got, I was lucky enough to play with him, and uh, you know, I, I, I remember. Me seeing him in at breakfast in the hotel, and I kind of I said hi, and he just kind of gave me a head nod, and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's fine, you know, new guy and stuff like that, just gonna keep quiet and and not say anything, and then someone, I, I maybe it was Girardi or, or Brandon Press at the time or Delzato, whoever it was, was like, oh, Hank doesn't talk on game day, so don't 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 take that personally. I was like, okay, so he didn't talk the whole day, not a word, like didn't talk to anyone. He was just zoned in from like I guess the second he gets up, he's got his routine, he's he's focused or you know whatever he does, he he stays extremely quiet. And then I remember we were on the flight home from wherever we were playing, and and I don't think he I don't think he stopped talking the whole time on the plane. Like I could hear him laughing and, and telling stories and stuff like that. So he went for he I guess he goes from one extreme to the other. So, uh, but. Uh, great guy deserves a stanley cup but as i said it's that's a hard trophy to win and you know yeah. if you look at guys like a ginla and yeah know, ginla deserves yeah, a stanley oh, cup, joe thornton. You know, like that joe thornton you know like oh, the, yeah Patrick the Carl, list will go on guys forever. deserve it but you know they just don't you know at the end of the day 30 teams want to win it and one wins it every year right so it's it's tough and oh i guess 31 now 32 coming in right so with Seattle Kraken, which is a sick name, by the way. But besides, besides, I know Tortorella we mentioned, but we'll uh, skip over Torts. I can just imagine how it felt being a player under Torts. If you wanted to comment on that, awesome. But the next thing to Ottawa, yeah, he was he was actually really good to me, actually. Like, um, like I, I I ended up playing three games with New York, and yeah. I was having a good year in in Hartford then, and um, you know, I, I you know, I I came in and played on the fourth line and stuff like that, and I. I after the third game, I, I kind of knew I was getting sent back, and, and this season was coming to an end. It was late in the year and stuff like that. And he was just like, "Hey, I, I just, you know," and I, and you know, Tortorella, like he's, you know, like you said in the media, and he, he comes up harsh and all this kind of stuff. But you know, he's one of my favorite coaches because he was like, at, he's like Corey, he's like, you know, I thought your defense would be much, you know, would be not very good, you know, being the type of player you are. But he's like. I was very surprised. He's like, you're very sound and you're good with your habits and stuff like that. He's like, you know, that's good. You know, kind of like gave me a confidence on, on the other side of the puck, which usually I didn't hear in my career. Everything was on the other side, on the offensive side, and everything I had to do was work on the other side. So he was actually a believer in my game on, on the defensive side of the puck. So I got great respect for uh, for Tortorella there, that's for sure. So. Yeah. 
retorts. It's hilarious. He reminds you of a coach that I've had junior, but we won't jump into that. Uh, Ottawa, uh, the Senators now, too, you know, quickly before we go to Brooksy. Uh, you know, you had Jason Spencer, who is obviously still playing. And then you had uh, Eric Carlson, who is in with San Jose. But a legend that you played with in my eyes. And this is going to come weird to a lot of people because I actually taking my host hat off here for a second, put my fan hat on. I am actually a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, so I'm a sucker for pain, I'd like to say. So saying that this guy's a legend may come off weird to Leaf fans, but Daniel Alfredson. Uh, there's a guy that was there when you were there and that guy, I could just imagine the lows of leadership in the locker room. And there must've been some excitement to enter the room, especially one that has Alfredson in it and some of the players that were surrounding there in Ottawa. Well, it was, to me, it was awesome. Like I, I almost came full circle, right? Cause like I played junior in Ottawa and then I got to go play back mm-hmm. in the NHL. And that was like, that kind of was you know, that was really special for me. I got the, my most games with that organization too, five games. And, um, it was really like, it was neat. And I, and obviously my junior days that, you know, I was in the community quite a bit. We did a lot of, they had great programs, um, through the 67s that we would go to a lot of schools and, and do, um, you know, seminars for kids with a comparison between hockey and school and, and bullying and stuff like that. So, you know, you were in the community quite a bit and, we had a good relationship with the senators too. We would go to a restaurant and um, out towards Canada that, you know, where the senators would eat a lot of their pre games at the time. So we knew a lot of the players and I knew, um, you know, Alfredson's brother a little bit too. So I, I kind of knew Alfie before I, I actually went to Ottawa and stuff like that when I was pro. So it was kind of nice to, you know, a little bit of, you know, knowing someone and stuff like that. And you're right. He just, you know, he was a, he was a true leader, true professional. You know, he would talk to everyone. Didn't matter if you were a first year guy, a rookie, you know, or you were Jason Spezza, you know, you, he would talk to everyone. And, you know, I had lengthy conversations with him about his family and, you know, him going golfing and his, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, pretty good golfer too and he was during training camp i think he was playing in his in the you know his club championship there and he shoots pretty low so you know he was uh he was an awesome guy and i think he had a huge impact on eric carlson obviously you know two swedes and stuff like that and you know i carlson's came out and said it too right so you know they're they're you know they're great um he was a great leader you know and uh, you know obviously he's not liked too much in the toronto area and and he went to chase that cup in uh, Detroit and with that team. But he uh, he's for sure uh, an Ottawa senator to, at heart, and he had a huge impact on how that that franchise uh, you know got to to where it was. And obviously they're in rebuilding now, but he was a huge impact through all those years, and he was positive. So he definitely was. Now Ottawa is a is a. I went to obviously uh, be. I watched a Leaf and Senators game at the Canadian Tire Center, and I always been. And I obviously I'm not gonna put you on the spot or anything, but I always felt that the rink is in the is not in the most convenient location. I don't think that's no secret. You know, being on the outside of Ottawa, and I remember being there for the game that it was well minus 25 outside, and in that time there was no way of transportation. My girlfriend and I went there uh, taking one of the shuttles from the hotel. And we missed that shuttle to go back, so we had to wait for an Uber uh, to take us back to the hotel, and we were waiting about an hour and a half outside, and it was just. A disaster because no one was leaving the parking lot it was insane it was busy as heck because it was toronto ottawa right battle of ontario and it just seems like ottawa's an organization right now that 
you know, if they can rebuild, they can have that fan base. I think if they ended up relocating that rink, I don't know if they have any opinion with that, if they think they should make that, if that's appropriate, or if you think it is in the right spot. No, I, I, you know, I think they built the rink for a reason out there. Um, you know, obviously they wanted to build up Canada and the outskirts of, you know, Ottawa. And they definitely did. Like if you go to a game now there, there's restaurants, there's hotels, um, you don't really have to go into in, into Ottawa or the downtown part of Ottawa. So, you know, I think it did. You know, there's there's homes, there's subdivisions, there's everything out there now. So I think why they built it, they built it for that reason. Um, so I think it did its job. But you're right. It, it should be downtown. It should be near the parliament. It's, it's sad that the government and ownership there with Melnick, they, they can't get a deal done to, you know, bring that back downtown because you're right there's only one way in on the highway and there's one way out and it's tough it's a tough it's a tough uh go to get there and I, I remember even you know when i played junior in ottawa you know brian we brian kilray would give guys tickets all the time and you you love going to the game but you knew it was such a hassle to get there and to get out afterwards and it was um it was it's a pain kind of to get there so i hope they i hope they figure it out i think it would be much better if it was um near downtown or near parliament where people you know where there's a high population of, of people i think it's tough like you know if you think about toronto if if someone offered you tickets in the afternoon um to a game like and you didn't have a car and you took the subway well you can go to the game because you can jump on the subway or the TTC or public transit. Like there's really only a bus out to Ottawa to, to the, to that arena. Like I think they've missed that where, you know, it can't be spur of the moment. It really has to be planned that you're going to a game. And I think that's kind of draw the fans like, you know, away from it. Right. So I hope they so figure what you're trying to say, Corey, a great city. All you're trying, so what you're really trying to say is it's not built for Dave and his dates. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> built for Dave having dates. Stay down, stay down, save the money on the Uber. You can walk. Holy God. <laughs> See, and then you sound like you're going on a honeymoon date there. Oh, uh, you know, it was, it was a good experience overall. It was beautiful, but you get your first <laughs> apple in Ottawa too, right? Like, do you have your puck for getting your first point? Did you get that? No, no. I didn't because, um, I didn't. It was funny too. Cause, um, it was um, Nick Felino that scored the goal. And to be honest with you, it was like, it was a great play. I'm not going to lie to you. It was high and hard off the glass. It was a nice chip uh, off the glass in the D zone and he did the rest. <laughs> but it was, it was a pretty, like, it wasn't a fancy assist or anything like that. And um, I think someone said it on the bench afterwards. He goes, oh, I would have grabbed that puck for you if I knew. He's like, I figured you had, you know, a point or a goal already. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. It never came up ever again. So, no, I I, I don't have that uh, that puck. I do have the stick, but I don't have the puck. So, you know, at least you remember the high off the glass. You know, remember what you did. That's all that matters. Yeah, like I didn't even know. I didn't even know if I got a plus on the play. Even I was, you know, I don't. I could even change. Like, but I'll take the I'll take the assist from the bench if I got to the bench or whatever. So, but it was uh, fun fact. It says in your five games you're minus one. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for bringing that's, that up. Hey, that's, pretty, that's pretty standard, bud. That's 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 not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Brooksy, I know you have uh, some tales to bring up about European hockey. You know, I know we went a little bit extra there with the NHL days, of course, but some good uh, stories from me there. Oh, yeah. And right. and Dave's date. Don't forget Dave's date. Yeah, that was. Thanks, thanks for throwing that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> 
They, uh, no, I just want to talk about what was your decision to finally say, you know what, I'm going to head over to Europe. You know, I'm going to kind of not give up the dream in the NHL, but just say like, you know what, it's time for me to, to try this new avenue over here. What was your, what was going through your mind on that decision? Yeah, I think I just got like, you know, I, I just come, came to a breaking point a little bit, you know, uh, the year. So I was in Ottawa. Um, you know, I signed a two-year contract. So I was like ecstatic to sign a two-year contract, give myself some security and, and stuff. And and then I was a, I, I think I was a year or two into being a veteran too in, in, in the American League. As, and as you know, there's only, you know, four or five of them allowed on each team, right? So I was pretty, pretty pumped to get a two-year deal with Ottawa. And and then um, I had a really good year that year, um, my first year, and I ended up winning uh, the Calder Cup. With we, we won the Calder Cup as a team, and you know I, I led the league in scoring, was voted MVP, and had a really good year. And I, I really only got like five games that year, right? And um, and a lot. And what happened to towards the end of the year, um, Ottawa sold ship, and they got rid of. Uh, everyone and, and they were rebuilding and stuff like that and almost everyone around me kind of went up and I was kind of a little frustrated with that but it's great you know whatever happened it was done when we started the playoffs it was great we won a Calder Cup so I had another year left and I was just thinking like well like that would have been you know what a year to you know become a free agent after that you know maybe I would have got that one year deal one way one way contract deal with someone and someone would have maybe taken a chance on me and then Obviously, I was I had second year in my deal. We went back. I went back to Binghamton in Ottawa there, and and we were we rebuilt the team there. And it, a lot of those guys ended up going up to Ottawa, and 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 being NHLers the, the following year from that Calder Cup team. And you know, I got I got hurt. I was hurt that year. I I had a pretty healthy career, but I got I missed half the year that year with a separated shoulder and a broken thumb. And I just think I got frustrated, to be honest with you. It was like, you know, if it wasn't going to happen the year before and then the kind of the way it went that the following year, I was just, you know, I had some interest before that to go to Europe. And I just thought it was, you know, it was kind of the right time to go over and, and, and start a career over there. And that's kind of what my mentality was. And, you know, I, obviously, obviously it kind of worked out over there in Europe too, but I, I do wish that maybe I stuck around the American league a, a little bit longer. Um, but who knows if I was able to, too, because of the veteran rules and stuff like that, they were, they were cutting down on, on the veterans for the AHL teams. See, and obviously in Europe that we've gotten, we've had numerous guests on the show talk about the experiences overseas in comparison to the national hockey league or the American hockey league, East coast and the style of Europe, is what's kind of been here now for the last handful of years or so, right? Like the, like the possession game, the speed game, the less physicality. Like, do you notice that by now being on the other side of uh, the ice where you're now watching it in comparison to playing? And even when you did play, you must've noticed a difference. Yeah, when I, I first went to Finland, so that was, um, you know, my agent, at the time got me a really good deal at the end, hindsight. I, I wish I went, I went to the KHL first. Um, and, and I wish that I wish I did that, but, uh, my wife at the time, uh, we, we just had our daughter and she didn't want to go to, to, to Russia with, um, you know, a three week old baby, which I don't blame her. Right. So we chose Finland instead. And one of the reasons I chose Finland was, to be honest, was um, it was it was I was told it was as close to the American League as it was. 
So, and, and it was right. Like they plan smaller rinks over there for the most part. They plan that like hybrid right in between the NHL size and the Olympic size. And it was pretty physical. Like it was as close to the AHL as I've been in, in any of the leagues, uh, other uh, in Europe that I've been to. So, um, that was a little bit different in that sense, but playing in Switzerland and Germany and Austria, it was, it's totally different. It's, it, you know, it's less physical. Um, you know, it's more speed, more possession, um, you know, usually higher scores because of, of the way the games are played over there. Um, but Finland was a little bit different. Finland was as, as close to the AHL as, as, as I found, to be honest, I don't know about Brooksy, but, um, that's the way I found it over there. Super yeah, I never played in Finland, but, uh, you know, I mean, for me, I, when I went to, you know, I played a long time there in Germany and Switzerland and you know what I mean? It's totally different. Like you said, uh, it's just more wide open. There's big, big ice for sure on every rink pretty much. Um, but uh, the main thing I've noticed, maybe, you know, you can say how you felt. I, I was so surprised at the amount of fans that go to the games in Germany, especially like I played in Hamburg and, you know, my first game there, I heard that they had good crowds. You know, we had, I think, 16 or 17,000 fans there. Yeah. And they were, like, chanting, going bananas the entire time. And for me, that was just a great experience. And I was like, man, this is legit over here. Yeah, like, it was uh, – so my first taste of that was, like, to be honest, they didn't have those big rinks in, in, in uh, Finland as much. The Helsinki they did, but it wasn't, like – as crazy as Germany, I would say. Um, and a lot of the small towns in Germany and in Finland had like, you know, smaller ranks. They weren't as big as they are in Germany. Right. So when I got to Berlin, I was like, everyone was like, wait till you see this. Like when I first got there, like Matt Foy and Talbot, you know, the buddies that I knew from the 67 days were like, wait till you see this. Like it's unbelievable and stuff like that. Like you're, you got, it's, you're going to be blown away. So I think the first weekend we were on the road, both games, Friday, Sunday, which is unusual, eh, Brooksy, in, in Germany? Oh, yeah. 100%. One way game, right? So we had a we had a weekend away, and then I guess the second weekend I was we played. And that Friday night, I couldn't believe it. Like, because in Berlin, they have – it's called – when I played it, it was the O2 center. It might be a different building now, but the owner of Berlin is the owner of the LA Kings. So he built the Staples Center in Berlin minus, I think, like 4,000 seats. So I think it seats 16,000 or 14,000, something like that. And it was packed and it was just loud and they cheer nonstop and everyone's wearing a jersey and a scarf. And they don't sit down. And I explain to everyone that's never seen a game over there. I just say it's like soccer in a stadium. That's all. It, it's it's put put soccer in a, in a hockey hockey building, and it's just that's what you get. It's nonstop chanting and drums and everything like that. It's pretty crazy. It was eye opening for sure. It was it was uh, it was easy to get up for games. That's for sure. And I think that's why everyone. Um, had really good home records over in Europe because uh, no one liked going in there as a away team and you got a home ice advantage that's for sure 
See, that's what I like about your It's so different, but it's such a great experience for guys like yourself, Brooksy, and other guests that we've had, and even players overall, to be able to say they went there. And you get to not only experience being a player, but go experience the world. And going kind of on the corny side here, you you get to experience life on a whole different kind of perspective and a whole new opportunity. So overall, like you play in the HL, NHL, KHL, the Liga, Dell, wherever you play, it's still overall a positive experience, and you get the opportunity to play the game that you love. Uh, Loved. Now, Corey, Brooksy, we're going to get towards the conclusion portion here of the show. A little bit of an extended version here, if you will. So getting to that conclusion, Corey, I know uh, myself and Brooksy ask two questions uh, to our guests that they are not prepared to be asked. Now, not like any of our guests are prepared about any topics that we bring up, but there they might be questions that might be make you think a little bit. So if it does take you a second or so to answer, that's totally fine. Okay. I'll go first, and then Brooksy can go second before we wrap up the show here tonight. Um if you had to go back, and let's say you were going to play, what would your two line mates be on your wings or your centerman and winger? Who would you choose on your line if you were able to go back and play if it's the NHL or the American Hockey League or whoever you played with? Oh, uh, well, that Matt Foy. For yeah, sure. absolutely. I would yeah. take Matt Foy in a, um, any day. Um, obviously, you know, the connection we had in junior and then, you know, even in, in, in Berlin there a little bit. Um, obviously, he would be my right winger. And the other one would be P.A. Parento, actually, because I play with P.A. Parento in uh, in New York or in, in Hartford. And uh, he was on a one-way contract this year. that year. He got hurt a little bit. He had a bit of a concussion. So he didn't play as many games. I, I believe he only played about 30. We only played 30 games together. I know that the coach wanted to keep us apart. Like he wanted, you know, balanced lines and stuff like that. And I don't think he thought we could share the puck between each other. I remember another uh, another player being like, there's no way. You both want the puck so much. There's no way you could play together. And uh, when he put us together, we were just, you know, we would just look for each other. You know, it was kind of like it reminded me of the, the Matt Foy days where it didn't matter if, I scored or he scored We just wanted to produce offense and for our team and stuff like that. So those two guys, um, those two guys, I, w- I would pick as line mates. Um, if I, if I could go back and make a line. No, no surprise with Foy. I knew that'd be one of them, obviously, because the yeah. connection that you guys had and obviously just coming full circle and winning in Berlin is just an amazing story. Brooksy, your question. Yeah. My question is, was there a coach or someone who had, unbelievable influence for you like that you just was you know kind of molded you or helped you become the hockey guy you are today john Tor- <laughs> no, 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 Tor- give me a positive comment and i've run with that you just needed to say one thing and i'm on his side he can do whatever he wants so the torts yeah but the, the main guy to be honest with you is uh troy ward um Troy Ward, I, he was the assistant coach. I was coached by him three three different times in my pro career. Um, he was the assistant coach in Houston. So I was traded from Montreal to Minnesota, and the far team was in Houston. And he was um, the power play coach. He was defensive coach, and then he was the power play guy. And um, we had a great relationship um, through the power play and then just getting to know each other and stuff like that. We thought the same way kind of terminology um could really bounce ideas off of each other and he was he he was the kind of the first coach in pro that i had where 
you know, he almost asked like, what did you see? Or, you know, what do you think? Or like, cause at the end of the day, they watch a ton of video, right? But you're on the ice doing it. Like you're, you're the one that has to feel the pressure or make the plays. Right. So he was like the first one to be like, well, what do you see? What do you think we should do? And stuff like that. And I'm not saying everything I said we did, but you know, we just had dialogue and stuff like that. And, and then Troy became a coach in Abbotsford uh, Heat years later with Calgary system, and he traded for me. Um, so I got to play for him for half the year there. And then uh, he got to – I took a job in Linz in Austria, and, and, he, and he brought me along to Linz for a year and a half there um, before he was let go. So he was a huge impact. He was both on off the ice. Um, you, know, I, we, you know, we almost – it's it's kind of unique. We had a we had a friendship, but we he was also my coach. So like, you know, I knew when he would push me and yell at me and did things to me. It was it was to, for a reason, and, and and like I respected that, and I didn't hold a grudge or anything like that. And we could always talk things out. And you know, he just he made me a better person on and off the ice. And he was big into family first, and you know, made sure I was a good husband and father to my daughter and wife and stuff. And he major he was a major impact um in my career and, and and still is now and we still stay in touch and stuff like that so troy ward look at that that's an, i love those answers you know obviously giving respect to where somebody that's such an influence uh on your life and just kind of what made you uh, t- to the type of player that you were and i'll say flat out Corey, that uh, you should have gotten more time in the national hockey league but that is for that is a, for a private maybe conversation so i don't chirp the nhl or anybody in development <laughs> of that uh, you know there's a lot of players too that have been down that road that i feel and uh you know there's you obviously still made a great career out of yourself uh where you played in the American Hockey League, obviously junior before that, but some games in National Hockey League and overseas uh, in Europe, then getting involved with hockey after, and then it's just overall still a great story. So I wanted to say, uh, firstly, before we go over to Brooksy, that uh, we thank you very much for taking your time to come on the show. I know we did a lot of planning, <laughs> and it took some time to get this all planned between myself and Brooksy, and then me just calling you randomly out of the blue. So I appreciate you taking time for this, uh, about the last hour plus, to come talk to us here on the Game Sports Show. No, thanks for having me on, guys. Like this was great. Um, usually, I don't talk this much about myself. I really don't uh, don't like doing it uh, doing it like this. But you guys made it a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad I could share some good stories. And uh, just thanks for having me on. And I hope uh, I wish you guys, but nothing but the best. Uh, for sure, Brooksy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Corey, and uh, best of luck there in Guelph uh, with everything. You know, after hockey uh, or well, after your playing days, but. Uh, Thanks again. Uh, I've known you a long time, and uh, I know we don't spend a lot of time together. I've played together a lot, but uh, just shows you how the hockey community is. You know, everybody looks out for one another, and uh, I just wanted to thank you. Yeah, I know. It was great reconnecting, buddy, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And you're right. uh, You know, you can go years without talking to people, and you pick up right where you left off, So just like we did today. So thanks very much, guys. I I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me on, and and, I, and again, um, all the best to both of you. Thank you. And then, Brooksy, I want to say thank you to you for taking the time as well. And you know what, Corey, if you're ever in the Sioux, since we know how much you love the Sioux, a.k.a. <laughs> at Dagestini and Trevor Daly, you can look us up and you can come enjoy the Sioux. But make sure you don't drink the water because you'll end up staying here. No kidding. I think I'd be buying – I'd be trying to buy a, a lake house or something near Brooksy there and stuff like that. And <laughs> but, uh, I'll, I'll, If I'm ever up there, boys, I'll, I'll give you guys a shout. So. Definitely. That's enjoy. Sounds- 
And then hopefully sometime we can touch and have you on sometime again in the future. Now, this has been the Game Sports Show. Again, thank you to Corey Locke. Thank you to Brendan Brooks. Uh, thank you to all the crew on the Game Sports Show, to yourselves, the listeners and viewers uh, of the show, as well as to make sure that you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all of our platforms, that being Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, our website, thegamesportshow.com. Fun fact, if you have an Apple iPhone or even a, an Android phone, you can make the Game Sports Show com an app on your home screen so make sure if you have any uh, if you have any questions doing that you can reach out to yours truly or just go ahead and do so by bookmarking it to your home page you don't miss any great content from the game sports show now getting to our conclusion here i'm here to remind you to keep your stick on the ice swing your bat catch your touchdowns drain your threes and shoot your shots booyah you have been listening to the game sports show powered by gem this edition of the game was brought to you by compass imaging group and demansky office interiors we would also like to thank our other sponsors and broadcasting partners part of the game sports show family espn 1400 northern superior brewing company sports center bar and grill living sisu north shore sports and auto and thrush creative co yes he's a three